welcome everyone to the CavsCorner.com podcast. We we're gonna do something a little bit different this week. Not a you know a, a f- funny intro before the music plays. Um, I just we didn't get a chance last week to talk about it because, um, you know, Damon had, was covering the baseball game, and so we didn't we didn't have a chance to sort of have him you know um, have a final time on the podcast. We all we all obviously knew that he was leaving for Virginia Sports, um, but I kind of wanted to just. Um, open the show and, and say thank you to him um, for his uh, contributions to the site over the last eight months. I really appreciate him jumping on board um, and doing everything that he did um, while he was with the site. Um, certainly could not have gotten through the last you know eight months without him um, and uh, wish him the best of luck as he moves forward in his career uh, and you know looking forward to some video packages he puts together. Uh, at Virginia Sports that I'm sure we will share on Cat's Corner. So thanks to Damon, and uh, best of luck to him as as he goes forward. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, May the 4th, be with you. Um, I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast on May the 4th, so this is, it may, it may, I don't, uh, that's probably not true, um, but I'm jacked to, do, to, to have been able to say it anyway. Lots of, uh, lots of stuff to talk about this week, um, there's a rebrand and Folks got new titles, and Dave is on board officially. It's all fun. So before we get started, we, we, we got some questions from the board we're going to talk about um, later. Uh, not sure how many we're going to get to, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, in Fishersville, moderator du jour. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I want to call you yet, Dave. Welcome to the podcast, sir. How are you? It's, it's, I'm good, man. It's weird. I was, I was thinking on the way home tonight before the podcast, I was like, the first podcast, I'm not the fan. You know, I'm the staff. The yeah. staff is also the fan. So, yeah. what the hell's happening here? So, <laughs> who days on the board at who days on Twitter? What is happening? <laughs> no, I like that. Uh, and up in Loudon, editor in chief Justin Ferber's on the podcast. How's it going, my friend? That's a lot of pressure. Um, it's about the same, honestly. Uh, just more work, right? At Justin <laughs> underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place to hit in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Also, Cavs Corner is also on Instagram. It's Cavs underscore underscore Corner because Instagram thinks that Cavs Corner has a Instagram, but it doesn't because it, Cavs Corner has a Facebook page, which you can search. It's uh, I think it's the Virginia Cavaliers on CavsCorner.com is the official name. What I find just bonkers about this whole situation is that Facebook thinks that I have an Instagram that I don't have. But when I try to put in the Instagram to Facebook, Facebook's like, no, we don't know what that is. So it was a whole entire situation. Um, 
but it's verified on Facebook, and yet Cavs Corner couldn't get CavsCorner.com on Instagram because it was already taken. So it was both yes and no at the same time. It was lots of fun. Anyway, go check out those things. What my plan is, you know, Facebook will share content going forward. Certainly, be more pre- you know present there. Instagram, we will share content occasionally. Um, I'm a little bit weird about like sharing other people's pictures on Instagram as if I took them. I, I just that just seems weird. So I'm going to try my best to keep that to pictures I took. I actually took images it. with the Getty word mark, <laughs> right? Um, but then at the same time, like when we go to games and stuff, like we're you know the you know we'll try to do you know more of that there. So definitely give us a look, and certainly we will share and you know recruit stuff and all kinds of fun things. Okay, so first order of business is to talk about the the new order of business, which is uh, yeah, like Dave said, all the all the guys are all the fans, are staff and the staff are fans. Um, I guess I don't know where to start, man. Um, it feels it feels good to to sort of be back involved a little bit more. Um, you know, um, you know, the day job side of things certainly makes this a whole lot easier for me. Um, you guys, though, have certainly made this possible for me. Um, you're what four days in now. You have neither of you have quit, so that's a good sign. Um, how are we feeling about this uh, new operation we got going? I think it's been pretty good. And like, you know, Ferber, you know, we always text all day about UVA sports. Now we're just being a little more mindful to kind of share our thoughts on the board and, and, you know, try to get some discussions going there. Um, I mean, I'll admit as a, as a pseudo staff member, I hadn't been as active on the board the last few months. Um, some of that's busy season at work, but you know, something I, should do more often and have been doing more often. And honestly, it's kind of been fun to interact again and get that community, you know, that community feeling from the board back to where it used to be. So looking forward to moving forward with that. Yeah. Um, being official and getting more followers on Twitter. That's, that's really the whole reason for this, but no, it's, no, it's been good. Build um, the brand. Of I've had fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm trying to build the brand. Um, certainly Ferber, it feels like to me at least that, um, you know, in, in our conversations offline, the two of us, we we have an idea of what it looks like. And like I said, I don't think I could make this possible without you guys. Um, I also want to mention Houston Wilson, who is going to cover basketball recruiting for us, and, and Danny Lewis, who is going to cover football recruiting for us. Could not do it without them as well. Um, obviously a pretty integral part of the, of the program. Um, for what's it feel like to be editor-in-chief? I mean um, – I don't know how it got changed in the system. I didn't do it. And then it was just there. <laughs> so I think somebody from rivals must have paid attention to the tweets. Um, but uh, so anyway, how's that, how's that feel? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, honestly, I, I said this on, I think it was on Twitter uh, on Sunday. I would say like after the, NC, the ACC tournament, you know, we were at when COVID happened, from that point on, I would say I sort of like took a step back from what I was doing. Um, you know, like we weren't writing as much because there was like nothing to write about. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I did those like film room pieces and that was cool. And then the football season came and nobody could go. So I stopped covering the games. Um, and, you know, from there I, I would write things, but like not as much and just wasn't as active on the site. And, um, and then Damon came on board and obviously that was cool. So like he, he could sort of take, do some of the heavy lifting and all that. And that was great. Um, 
but I think like the last, you know, few months have started to feel like, you know, reinvigorated and have some ideas. And I think Damon's departure sort of like expedited that for me, especially since I'll be moving back to Charlottesville next month. So, um, you know, just being able to be more involved is going to be easier that way. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think like what Dave said, one of the things that I kind of like need to be more mindful of, and, um, I've tried this week, uh, you know, like not everybody has Twitter. So like when we share stuff there, like not everybody's going to see it. Um, some people can't see it during the day cause they it's blocked on their work computers. Um, but like, yeah, I think like just try to drive that conversation there and I, I'm excited to do that. And, um, I think we have a lot of listeners here who are subscribers and that's awesome. And I think we also have a lot of listeners here who might not be, and that's fine too. Um, but we want to, when we're pl plugging stuff at the end of this show every week, like, I hope that it's stuff that actually like makes people consider, you know, the value of it. And, um, I want to make everybody's subscription a bargain, right? Like with, with the content that we, you know, we want it to be worth way more than what they're paying. So, um, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to, to having an enhanced role. And I think Dave's help with the board too will help because we're all really busy, um, so I think like, you know, trying to keep everything in line with the board and the conversation this week has been awesome. Like everybody's been super, um, positive and constructive. And I, I think like we can, we can get this thing really working. Like once yeah. we get some more content in there. Yeah. And I think too, the, the thing for me, and, and as I wrote, you know, when we made the announcements was, you know, the idea of, you know, Ferber just said that, you know, he felt like he was kind of, uh, you know, reinvigorated, I think was the word he used, um, um, I said to somebody via email earlier tonight that I felt, you know, recharged, like my fandom was recharged. The fact that, you know, we can, we can do this at all is, is a, is a testament to, to UVA fans, right? Like this is, this is fun. You know, this is something that we all love to do. Um, you know, we, like we said, we, you know, we've all have other jobs, right? Um, but this is passion. And, you know, the thing about Dave said a little while ago, you know, he's always been the fan on the show and now he's, you know, one of three or whatever. Like the 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 way that we have lived and died with these programs over the years, well before this podcast started four hundred and fifty nine episodes ago, and well after we stop, whenever the train reaches that point, right? Like the programs matter to us and the folks on the message board, that that's a, that commonality is important. And Certainly, you know, talking about your favorite team is one thing. A sense of community is, 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 is something else. And that's, that's, I think, the biggest thing we can do. Um, you know, yeah, the, the stuff that you talk about is important, and I'm not trying to gloss over that. But I think the, the, the making the, that, that sense of, you know, community and, and, and allowing folks to, to have those conversations and, you know, get excited about this and that. You know, not, you know, there's enough negativity in the world, man. Like we're, we're going to give folks a place to go and, and talk about their favorite teams um, without having to worry about all that. Um, sure. There will be moments where we'll have to moderate some. I have given um, <laughs> Dave and Verber um, explicit instructions to literally do whatever they think is right. Um, so if you're somebody who listens to this podcast and you are on the board, you know, be careful because behave know, yourselves uh, yeah but <laughs> oh, and, and yeah, also too like i think I, I do think that the response to to that sort of um call to action so to speak right has been good um you know clearly this week everything has been you know running along we'll see how it gets when the you know some team loses you know and it's rough um so 
um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you guys. Like I said before, I couldn't do it without you. Um, integral pieces of the operation for the long time and even more integral now. So publicly, I want to say thank you to the both of you. Um, I always, you know, I like to end the podcast by thanking you for your, you know, giving graciously of your time. Um, that's like hitting another level now. And, uh, um, yeah, I just, I can't say thank you enough. Let's, uh, anything else on that before we move forward, guys, you guys good? No. Um, I think, you know, it's awesome that we're going to continue to have Damon as part of the community at large. Um, and I'm sure we'll probably have him back on here at some point. Yeah. Well, he, he at least gets to get, he at least gets to get, uh, his, um, his picks graded. Um, and somebody yeah, asked yeah. how long until his first blooper reel or, or outtakes is posted from his <laughs> new job. So I wanted to get that question out That's there fun. first. That's fun. Um, all right. Well, speaking of questions, uh, real quick, let's, let's get into that. So Ferber put a call out there for stuff from the board. Um, we're not going to get to all of them, but I think over the next few days, you know, we're going to try to answer some of them that we don't get to maybe on the board. So, Definitely go visit the site. If you're not a member, sign up. Now's a great time. Um, lots to lots to discuss uh, and lots, obviously, that we're going to be doing with it. All right, Ferber, fire away with these questions that we're going to answer tonight. Yeah, I think we got a lot of good stuff this week. Um, definitely going to have to keep doing this. In the summer months, you know, where we're, like, trying to find something to talk about, this is perfect. So um, there's one question on here about building. We should do like a basketball lineup draft. And I think that's like its own episode. Um, so we might have to do that like in a few weeks. I think we've done something similar, but we can come back to it. So the first thing that came up and a bunch of people wanted us to talk about it um, is NIL and just what's going on right now, I guess, in college football and, you know, with the Jordan Addison situation and everything that's happened um, in the last week or so. Uh, you know, like, I feel like that's probably a good place to kick off the discussion because it's probably the most relevant thing to the sport. Um, and there wasn't a specific question here. It was just basically discuss NIL. So fire away. <laughs> good luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, all right, let's, let's, let's do two things here. Let's, let's sort of differentiate the Jordan Addison situation from and we what, should probably say what the situation yeah, is. Yeah, I was going to I was going to try to summarize. Know. So basically what happened is and and I'm not going to quote any specific source here. I'm just going to give you the gist. The long and short of it is that Jordan Addison was a, either approached directly or at least people around him were approached whatever. This is he, Pitt wide receiver Jordan yes, Addison. Yes, was the, a Blitnikoff award winner. Yeah. So basically the best receiver in in the in the country. Yeah. Late in the game decides to put his information in for um, you know, to put his stuff in the in the portal, but he has no specific team he wants to go to. He essentially is pulling out of the portal so he can hear offers, but it certainly seems like he's been hearing offers for a while. So if anybody saw what happened with Isaiah Wong the other day, um, you know, he tried to come after later and say, "Hey, look, that was sort of misrepresented. I'm I, that's not what I'm doing." But it certainly seemed like guys are in a position where if they do have nil deals, and clearly there are a handful of guys who, who have some very sizable ones at this point um, that they're essentially are almost using the portal as like a, um, as a way to sort of hold out, right? Hey, I'm going to go in the portal and I'm going to transfer if you don't make the deal sweeter. And that certainly was the message that seemed to be relayed on the Addison situation. Now, I don't know if necessarily he said that people around him said that that's one of the murky spots about NIL here is it like a lot of these deals and I know there are a lot of folks out there clamoring for information about this this is unlike recruiting in the sense that like recruiting 
there's somebody out there who who benefits from the information being out there, right? Um, school X. In this case, school. it was Pitt. Right. I um, think. Yeah, true. Because, because when this stuff first came out, it wasn't like he's just going to go in the portal. It was like he's going to go in the portal to go to USC for $3 million. Like, right? So, I mean, that was that was like the, the rumor mill. So, and clearly, you know, there's a lot of people out there that think that that was true. So, um, and now it's like, oh, he's going to look around, right? So. So it, it seemed um, it seemed like at the time um, that USC was the school that was going to, you know, profit from this. No pun intended. And they still and, might. And they still might. But at least as of yet, that has not been, uh, I don't know, formalized, announced, however. Yeah, you he hasn't it. committed. <laughs> um, in terms of the bigger picture. So I want to separate just sort of what that situation is. There are a lot of kids who have NIL deals. And if you remember last year, it was we were all expecting basically what has happened to happen, and it didn't happen, right? There were a handful of guys who got big, you know, big numbers, and that was it. But since then, the 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 college football—I well, can't really say football—the college sports industrial complex, right, has banded together in the, in the form of boosters who have put together these collectives, and there is a lot of money flowing. Um, and, you know, in a situation like Addison, for example, you got you got the the angle where, you know, Pitt would love to have him back. And certainly I think Pitt, you know, folks connected to the program, folks who were involved in those NIL deals, you know, they tried to up that ante. And at the same time, you got players who are like, wait a minute, what kind of deals did he have? Because they're wondering, well, you know, could I get something better? And it really does kind of change the dynamics of college sports in a pretty dramatic way. Um, probably more so than a lot of us were expecting. I, I did not foresee, if I'm going to be completely honest, I did not foresee these collectives raising and throwing so much money out there. Um, I expected to be, you know, be a handful of guys each year who would get really nice deals. You might have a couple breakthrough guys who are, you know, getting paid by Coke or whoever. But I realistically thought that most of them would be relatively small. But then you've got you've got these collectives that are putting so much money together and offering all kinds of incentives, not just for guys to profit once they are out of school, but basically saying like, if you come to school X, this is what you will make. This is almost like a salary sort of situation. And it's really hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, Dave, let's, let's go to you next. What's give me some thoughts. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I think I've said some of this on the board, but first of all, the issue isn't the name image likeness. Like I, that concept is fine, but this isn't name image and likeness. This is, as you said, like collectives are basically a way to get around that. It can't be a booster paying you to come to a school by taking all those boosters, collecting their money, putting it in a bank account and telling, Hey, prospective student athlete at Virginia's got one. So we might as well use Virginia, you know, prospective student athlete at Virginia. We've got, X number of dollars in our collective, which is going to be spent on our players. Um, and to me, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. Like even, even though Virginia's got one, like to me, that's the problem. And, and you know, you've seen the, you know, people reporting the NCAA is going to take action. Well, it's a little hard to take action now. Um, there's a lot more lawyers who aren't part of the NCAA than, than are, and they will figure out ways to get around these rules. Um, but it's just like, it's ugly. And, you know, it's, 
Now, I feel bad for Pitt. I'm not a Pitt fan, but like, I mean, what can they do to replace Jordan Addison now? You know, they're, they're going to have to go to the portal. Um, there's not a lot of 2022 unsigned commits, you know, of note. And it's got to be someone who's been in the portal because now the portal's closed. Um, and despite so how just, good he is, imagine if he was that good, but as, at quarterback. Like, yeah, that's even exactly. worse. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I think, you know, and me as a Virginia fan, you know, if you're Alabama or Auburn or, you know, one of the big schools, this is scary, but you're like, well, we just got to raise some money and do our part. Um, you know, we can get into the, this has been going on behind closed doors all we want. But the scary part uh, of this is, you know, you already had the transfer portal, you know, where you can develop a guy and so-and-so can whisper in his ear, hey, you're really good. We can take, we can use you here and he can go start there next year, right? Now you can put money in his pocket to come do it. Um, and for schools like Virginia, like, I'll be honest, every school in the ACC except for Clemson probably is maybe Miami, and but most likely just Clemson, is worried that this means any player they develop to the point of being a national star, they're going to have to pay to keep because someone else with bigger pockets is willing to make them an offer. Um, I mean, I am sure Virginia players have been approached. Like, he's got some talent on the roster. Um, and I'm sure it'll continue to, they'll continue to be approached in the future if this isn't curtailed. And I don't know how you put that toothpaste back in the tube. Um, so it's just scary. I mean, I think, I'm trying to remember who said it. I don't want to take credit for it. It might have been uh, big-time Pitt fan David Hell um, <laughs> talking about NIL and how it's different, you know, the difference between where things are now, where they were. Uh, yeah, it was him. I just pulled it up. Um, and he made a good point. You know, he's like in the past, like, look, it, there's only a few schools that were going to win the national title every year, right? But you had your guys you developed and everything else, and you had hope that on the, any given Saturday you could beat them and maybe you could develop your guys and have a really good team in three or four years because you can't sign 25 four-stars, right? Um, and now with the NIL, like, you know, you, you got to have hope. <laughs> so if you know, hey, if so-and-so has a really good year, we better win this year because he's probably going to be stolen next year. Um that kind of changes the equation for a lot of people. So it's interesting. Look, I'm all for the kids getting taken care of. I just think it, the kids right now aren't the problem. It's the adults in the room using NIL to kind of booster their egos and win, win football games. Um, and I have a feeling it's going to take a couple of years for the market to correct. You know, yeah. when you yeah, throwing, seven and five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, they're throwing millions of dollars into, I mean, let's say the quarterback at Tennessee. What can he possibly do to make people happy that gave him eight million dollars? Like he better, you know, he better win a lot of games. Um, and we know from being Virginia fans, like the difference between great schools and good schools is how it's depth, right? So, you, how do you keep a roster together if you're paying, let's say, ten or fifteen of the guys crazy money? You know, if you're USC or someone else. Um, what are the other? Are the other guys going to work as hard? Because they know they're not going to get playing time. Because you got to play the guys who are getting paid. Um, so can you really win a football title by doing that? Probably not. So maybe the guys stops. They stop spending as much money on that. But look, the whole thing is just this is what happened. And you know, ultimately, it's the NCAA's fault for kicking the can too long. And now they're <laughs> now they're just. <laughs> I I don't know. My, my guess is we just deal with this for a couple of years and, and hope the adults start adulting. Yeah. I think I've had a lot of different thoughts on this. Um, 
when you hear the Jordan Addison story the first time, you're like, whoa, like that is insane. <laughs> like, you know, if he's actually getting like as much as he's rumored to get to go play there um, for one season, because he'll, you know, go pro. Um, that's crazy. I can also tell you that with, you know, um, like coming from the background that I come from, which is like not wealth. Um, if somebody offered me $3 million when I was a sophomore or junior in college, I would have to take it. Like there's no other way, like, you know, especially if injuries can come into play. Um, I think part of the situation with him that was sort of untoward or whatever, like the, that kind of upset people was that it was pretty clear that he was being tampered with. He was not in the portal um, and was being coerced or however you want to describe it. He's an adult um, to go in, you know, because it was in his best interest or maybe, maybe he had a bigger hand in that. I don't know. Um, Cause like Deion Sanders mentioned, like some of these guys have people working for them talking to schools to get in the portal, you know, but um, I've sort of gone back and forth on this. And um, it's certainly not necessarily good for like the viability of the middle of the sport. Um, I do want to say a couple things real quick that like, we talk about this all the time, but um, it is part of this. So like saying like UVA is not going to be able to compete as much as they could have maybe before that might be true at some level, but like you said, Dave, like the sport is already rigged. <laughs> so like, um, I don't really know if this changes things in a dramatic way. Um, I also think like it makes you, it, it, I think I was underestimating the market for NIL or, you know, in this case, pay for play. Um, you know, I didn't think it would, it would trickle down as much. Cause I was like, who would pay? Like, if you told me like somebody's going to pay $3 million for a wide receiver, I'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. Like what, what's the return on investment there? Um, but obviously there's a market and it makes me think that there was probably more pay for play than I realized going on before. So, you know, you always hear about the five-star kid that gets paid, but like maybe more four stars were getting paid and people even further down than that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a tricky situation and, um, I think the NCAA, like, you know, there's been some talk about like making the players employees, but that comes with its own set of issues. Um, that might, that might even cause some teams, like it's a dramatic step to like, not you, you either be able to compete at the high level or just choose not to. Um, and, and, you know, obviously that's like the worst case scenario, but also I think it creates issues where like kids are literally getting like fired and things like that. Um, and, you know, maybe they can look into that, but I don't know that that fixes the problem. One, one solution is basically just let things go the way that they're going and just people just get used to it. And sort of like, um, maybe the, like, like I said before, like the prices come down and doesn't get so absurd. Um, or, you know, like they, they try to create some rules, but I don't know how much you enforce things unless, um, you know, unless people are like being very blatant in their pay for play stuff. Um, I think, you know, like ultimately the, what it reminds me of is like the NIL deals and quotes that people are getting in a lot of these places are like, um, if you ever watch the Sopranos, like he gets paid as like a waste management consultant. Um, but like, he doesn't actually do any waste management consulting. It's just like a fake job for his taxes. Right. So that's what it is. It's like a fake NIL deal to pay them. Um, and obviously that's not the way it was intended to be. It's, it's very great. I mean, eventually it'll probably affect UVA player here or there. Um, the, the good and bad thing is that the transfer portal is now wide open. So it allows players to move more freely and get like seek out those deals, but it also allows them to replenish maybe a little bit better through the portal. So um, 
certainly something to keep an eye on. I would say like now Wednesday night, the deadline seems to have passed. So it doesn't seem like any UVA players will be leaving this year, which is nice that they were able to kind of hold things together. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely something to keep an eye on and we'll just see where it goes. Cause I mean, I didn't, I didn't see it getting to this level a year ago or so when this, you know, started becoming allowed. Yeah. Once it didn't get to this level right off the shoot, that's what it seemed I like. Doing. It was fine. I yeah. was like, you know, like yeah. Derek King got paid okay. to, to endorse some power bars or something. It's like, that's, yeah. that's what it's there for. Like, you yeah, know, I was expecting it to be much more crazy from the commercial side of things, not necessarily from the, here is some money for you to just exist on yeah. this team. And without um, the transfer stuff, like I think in some ways you could spin this as a positive, not in like the Jordan Addison situation, maybe unless you're talking about just for him getting the money, um, which is obviously a big part of it. But like, if you're like Oscar Shibway going back to Kentucky for like a bunch of money is actually good for college basketball. Yeah. Like, that's what's for- interesting right now is that in the foot on the football side, there is just chaos. And Isaiah Wong notwithstanding, on the basketball side, what you have largely are a bunch of dudes going back to school who are in some ways sort of NBA tweeners. And you can very clearly see, if in my opinion at least, you can very clearly see a path for these guys who are not going to be sort of like, all right, well, I don't know if I would. Do I want to use an example? I feel like that's mean. Um, there are certainly college basketball players who are extremely talented, who have who probably can make a lot of money at their school right now playing college basketball because of NIL that then are probably going to end up playing overseas, right? Like mm-hmm. how many got, how many really great college players have you seen who then don't do anything at the next level, right? They, they end up playing um, maybe they're going to be a while. second round pick or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, like, you know, uh, these guys think about all those two guys that like went in the second exactly. round, Gary Trent, you know, now, I think that for for some of these dudes, the opportunity to come back, make money while they're still in school, you know, it it does it is a significant thing. Um, just today, you know, I saw Armando Baco. It's going to be on a TV show, right? Um, some TV show I don't watch, um, which said you had to take a ferry to Chapel Hill. Yeah, I, I've seen this. That's a. It's called Outer Banks, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Never. I've never felt so old in my life than I do right now trying to talk mm-hmm. about this television program. Um, but anyway, the, my, my bigger point is like, so on the one hand, football is going just absolutely bonkers. Basketball is over here and almost, almost doing the same thing, but in a more like, uh, appropriate way, if that makes any sense. Like, like it, imagine how much money Christian Leitner could have made, right? Like imagine how much money Jamal Mashburn would have made, right? And if he's, if, if no, no, look, no shade intended at Jordan Asking, he's a hell of a wide receiver. But if that dude's pulling three million a year, right? Like, and I mean, some of the numbers I've seen reported around his pit deal, I was like Pittsburgh, you know. So I think that the the before we move on to the next question, because we've we've been on this one for a while, um, the the NIL piece, as far as UVA is concerned, like I feel like we're gonna be able to to compete um, for the kids that normally UVA would have competed for, right? The the same conversation you have to have when you're trying to get a kid to UVA is the same conversation you're going to have now, right? Could you, if you have an offer from Georgia, you have an offer from Alabama, like, yeah, those schools are going to be impossible to beat. Same as they will be now, right? Yeah, that's the same as it was before. Exactly. So for UVA's purposes, like, you're still going to need to develop kids who maybe they have smaller NIL deals or whatever, but, like, you're still going to need to go out, recruit kids, bring them in, develop them, 
um, and and win with them, right? Like, and then hope you can keep them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and like you you know you just said a second ago, like you know UVA had to like sort of hold on to some guys, or you know maybe there's the idea that schools are having to hold on to guys as the as the uh, uh, deadline approaches. That's the same way it is in recruiting, right? Recruiting, you find a good player, you really hope nobody else falls in love with him. You you get him to signing day, and you hope he signs, right? And and I think coaches are sort of well versed in and how to do that. And that's certainly like just sort of a new frontier in how all this works. The difference here, of course, is that you actually have like, if a kid starts getting courted by some school and you don't have NIL, well, like you don't have a whole lot to, to do other than what promise him his number, promise him playing time, promising him he'll start right now. You at least you maybe have a chance to make the NIL deal sweeter or whatever. And I know for a lot of fans, a lot of this is just blasphemy. Um, but it is a, it, it, it's going to be, Something that's, you know, I don't care what the NCAA does in terms of enforcement or terms of, you know, tweaking the rules. This is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's I mean, been around since the beginning of the sport, really, in terms sure. of players getting paid. <laughs> yeah. Just two last quick thoughts on it. Um, I mean, so if you get a school who comes in and says, hey, $3 million to come play here, here's the issue. That's still technically illegal, right? You yeah, it's still not, it's still not within the rules, right? So I don't know how you as a school can combat that because you can't be like, hey, we'll get you $3 because that's illegal too. Mm-hmm. So if you, so it's going to be, are you willing to cheat? Just like if you're dropping bags behind the scenes. So that angle is different. And then, you know, you start thinking about, you know, what you've heard from coaches the last uh, couple of years with the transfer portal and how now they have to, you know, they're working on recruiting high schoolers coaching their team and still recruiting their locker room. Um, now you add another facet to it. Like the guys you thought were happy. Well, now they might be getting offers to go play elsewhere for money. So like it's just, you know, the, the amount of people you have to have around your football program. Um, I mean, I'm sure coaches now are going to absolutely hate the times that we're not, they're not allowed to be around their team because that's Tom when people are going to be in their ears. So, yeah, I've seen people like literally saying teams should start hiring like GMs and just have like somebody in charge of like all of that stuff. I'm sure that I'm sure Alabama's probably hired 50 more people, you know, yeah. and they probably have, but no, they can just, clearly afford it. <laughs> yeah. It's the money's there. It. It's scary. I mean, it's scary as me as someone who like sports is such a big part of my life. Like, um, and I feel like I've made great friendships and learned lessons and had great experiences being a college sports fan. Um, I want my kids to be able to have that. My kids' kids to be able to have it. So hopefully they can get all this corrected. And like you can say, it was never amateur all you want, but it wasn't like this, right? So, like, you know, <laughs> at least on the surface. So there is some, you know. <sighs> I think the it's free transfer at the same time as NIL has exacerbated the issue, even oh. though like both of those things are good on the surface. That's yeah, like right. in theory, like right. having those two things combined. Cause like Jordan Addison wouldn't probably take that deal now if he had to sit a year. Like, oh, no way. He'd be That's like, true. I'm going to be a first round pick next year. Like, why would I do and that? And that would also give Although, the schools like, a little bit of, of leverage in terms of like making sure that the deals were not ridiculous. Right. But what it would also do is make them put that money on the front end too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, ultimately, I mean, if Jordan really Addison gets $3 million, that's really good for Jordan Addison. Like, it is. You know what because, I mean? I mean, unless you're a first round pick, you're not getting that in your rookie contract. Look, I mean, look at Sam Howell. <laughs> like, he, his contract is worth like 500K. He got picked in the fifth round. Like, if he had take, if he was like a year younger and was going to be like deciding whether to go pro or not this year, like, he probably could have got, if, if Jordan Addison's getting $3 million, I guarantee you he could have got $3 million, like oh, from easy. somebody. Or North Carolina, right? But anyway, that's my, one of the last thing on this is like 
there is a trickle down. And I think we were already um, the free transfer thing already put the trickle down on the smaller schools, like smaller than UVA um, for both sports. Right. Because now it's like you can go to like a power five school without having to sit. So when you when you are developed, like look at Cam Butler from Miami of Ohio. Right. Like he gets developed. Um, he's like, you know what? Like I can go play at the big time now. And then he goes in the portal and he chose UVA over Penn state, I believe. Um, I don't think NIL was like a big part of that decision, but it's the same concept where a guy is just like leaving the school to go to a bigger school. Um, so I think like the, the smaller schools might be even more affected by that, but there's just like UVA is swimming in a different pond than Alabama. They're swimming in a different pond than UVA is. So it's all kind of different and we'll, we'll just have to see what happens because I think it's been pretty unpredictable. Um, that takes us to the next question, which is directly related to that, actually. Arden asked, and we can kind of go through this one quickly, I think. Are you concerned that the new changes in, in the basketball landscape, and I'm assuming these rules is what he's talking about, might chase Tony away sooner? Tony Bennett, I'm assuming. Um, away sooner than he would have otherwise. I certainly yes. don't think it helps. <laughs> yeah. And we, I mean, I feel like we I don't think about he's Tony. like hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? hey, we talked about imagine. Tony on the Tony and and prior to his retiring, Bronco. Like you get in the sense, and neither one of those were lifers, right? Um, clearly, Bronco wasn't. And look, and it's one of the things I was going to mention at the end of our last discussion is you know we just spent what 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes talking about nil and who's getting paid. Not once did we mention like getting an education. You know, mm-hmm. you know, learning to be a man, and that's all like you know, learning to be a woman. If you're a female athlete, that stuff's important. That's what college is about. Um, we don't need a bunch of people who've got bank, you know, who got seven figures and are bankrupt and with no college degree and no, no future. Um, so like that, you know, we know that that part of it drives Tony Bennett. Um, the question becomes, I don't think Tony will run away for the sport because the sports always had corruption right there. And, and he's been a part of it. Yeah, not, 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 no, that sounds terrible. Edit that. He's been part of the sport that had corruption at the highest levels, and he's competed against them doing it his way. I think Tony will stay as long as the UVA fans can understand the playing field may have changed a little bit. Don't get mad when we don't get a top 25 recruit because there's probably a reason. You know, there was a reason before he didn't swim in those waters very often because most of those people come with a lot of people attached. Um, so, you know, I think if Virginia, I don't think he's going to get pressure from the administration, but if the Virginia fans keep complaining, I can see Tony saying, "Yeah, you know what? <laughs> see ya." Um, not saying they'd, that'd be the only reason, but um, yeah, it's definitely something I could see him. I don't think that alone would chase him away. I think pressure from his the people around Virginia um, wanting him to com- compete against that, especially if it goes sideways, because as much as you can't really make a football team a champion by adding a couple pieces, you can do it with basketball. So, um, I mean, it, it could be play a bigger role there, but either way, I don't think Tony is going to coach until he's like in his eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real quick on that. I agree. Um, I don't necessarily think he's going to leave anytime soon. Um, I think one of the things that, and, and Dave, I, I'm glad you brought up the education part. Cause I mentioned this on the board, but I think in some ways UVA might, be better positioned than some schools in, in, in NIL just because not because of like the money aspect, but because the education part will matter for a lot of the guys that signed up to go there in the first place, if that makes sense. So like 
if you're in your third year at UVA and you have maybe like, I don't know, I'm not trying to pick on schools for not having good academics, but like Kentucky or Tennessee or somebody is like trying to reach out to you to get you to go there. And you're like, you know, one semester away from your UVA degree. Um, maybe that gives you some pause, right? That sort of stuff. That's just a quick thought of mine. But um, yeah, I think also one of the things that gets, I think the, the rules might not help, but I think one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough with Tony is like, he is like really, really competitive. Um, and how do I say this? Brad, you can edit this out if yeah, you need to. That's not how this works. <laughs> well, so we, I know you've heard this because we've talked about this, but like, I'll just say, like, there are some schools that UVA plays regularly. Um, there's one in particular that I was thinking of from a few years ago um, that let's just say the current coaching staff knows that they play outside the lines, right? Like with recruiting. That inspires them to want to beat them even more. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and we've heard that. Like, yeah, I, yeah. It's I, like I, we know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but like yeah, we know no, they're cheating right. and we don't, and we, it makes it even better when we beat them. Yes. And, and I agree with that. I think one of the things that has been very clear to me has been that as long as the majority is not that, like the majority is not that school, right? It doesn't feel overwhelming. It doesn't, yeah. If the game is like rigged against you, then it's different. If if everybody you're playing against is doing it that way, well, then that's a very different, like, let's go kick our, your butts anyway, right? That's a very different challenge than, you know, here are a handful of schools that you know are maybe operating outside the lines. Um, okay. I, I think anybody who, who anybody who believes that, um, well, one thing, Tony Bennett might be, and I've said this before, like the most competitive person I've ever heard about. Like he's very nice, but that man is competitive as hell. Um, at least as far as you know, as I as I've heard. So I, I just feel like that piece will drive a lot more than you think. I also think that trying to make any determination on anybody in that you know is is somewhat of a fool's errand. I I, I could see a f- number of scenarios. Um, you know, it's why I always thought that if Tony left, the NBA was the most likely because challenging yourself at the highest level um, might be you know attractive to him. But anyway, and I also think the further the further that they get away from that title, the more inspired he and anyone else would want to be to get back up there. Yeah, you know that Um, that that uh, shine like starts to wear off. Let me put it to you like this: get that edge. UVA wins another championship. (laughs) You you might need to be you might need to be getting ready, right? Mm -hmm. Like that would make total sense, right? But that's a conversation for another day. And you know what? If there's another championship that happens before that, we'll all be very excited, regardless of what comes after. Um, Yeah. What's uh, let's get, get let's do like two more. Um, given, okay, and we'll and we'll try. Like I said, we'll try to answer more of these on the board, um, and try to you know provide some context there. So if you're not a member, you know that's probably a good place to be. Yeah, let's go back to football. Um, actually, like we can kind of do rapid fire with this one because Brian Jordan posted a bunch of questions. So, uh, which coach? I'm assuming he means on the football staff. Besides Tony, has impressed you the most so far. I'm guessing just like most excited about having on staff. Hmm. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I enjoyed Rudd's interview in the spring game. Um, I, I, I'm excited to have him as the defensive coordinator. I think he's going to bring a lot of different um, ideology to it. You know, um, Bronco did try to change the defense up last year, but I feel like they kind of had one thing that they did. Um, Bruds doesn't seem married to any one system and it seems like he's like I just want to do what I need to do to win and that's what you have to do with the service academy so 
um, I'm excited to see sort of what sort of alignments he comes up with. Um, and, you know, just personally where everybody's lined up. Cause we, even us, you know, this week we've been like, where's this guy going to be, <laughs> you know? So I'm excited to see what he can bring. Yeah. I mean, I assume we're not going to talk about guys who've been on the staff, like, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, 2J and Biscuit are always going to be impressive. I'm going to go a little off the box. Like Kevin Downing really excited me in that little presser he did. Um, I liked his energy. I liked the way he kind of no nonsense, but like, like I'm going to, I'm going to take a cheap out and say, like, I've been impressed with, with everyone because Rudd's was on my list. Cox was on my list. Um, Chris Slade was on my list. So yeah, it, it's a good group. If I had to pick one, I go Downing just to be different. You know, it's funny you say that because I was going to say, like, Rudd's would probably be my pick. But to be honest, I don't know. and Maybe I can take this in my own little direction. But I'm really excited to see 2J without the rest of them. Um, like. Like on his own. Yeah, sort of. you know, like out there, you know, not having to kowtow to whatever and I said this week, you know. Um, and certainly, you know, we've heard stories and stuff that, you know, we, we haven't talked about like publicly but i think you know the the jig is up in terms of like there were some strong personalities on that staff and that was one um i don't think any of those offensive guys got a chance to do anything that they probably wanted to do most of the time and it certainly seems like from the way tony elliott has built the staff and the way that these guys interact that there's there's a lot different there so i'm really interested to see um you know what tujay can do what it's like for him, what what he puts out there without the rest of, um, you know, rest of Broncos people. So that's, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if that really addresses the question at hand, but um, yeah, I think that's good enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a couple more from him just real quick. Um, what is the likelihood that Jay Wolfolk plays two sports all four years that he's at UVA? Um, usually with these situations, they end up with one or the other, right? So I don't know. Um, you know, he might have a pretty clear path to the field in football after this year. So um, I'm not sure he's going to be quick to give that up, if I had to guess. And it looks like he's doing pretty well with baseball. Yeah, I mean, that one's tough, right? Like, because you're right. Normally these things, you, you pick one. Uh, I would say baseball if I had to pick one or the, one of the yeah. other because only one quarterback can play, right? Yeah. But He looks, he looks to me like the guy who's going to be their closer. Um, is that enough to give up football? But I mean, I, the question really kind of hinges on like, at what point, you know, at what point does the train reach the station where you have to make that decision? Right. Um, it does not feel like to me, and I have not heard anything of the sort that either coaching staff is like it put wanting to put him in a position where he's got to make a decision that he has to choose. Um, but it certainly does seem like to me that it, it's natural, right? It's human to get to a place where you're like, all right, well, which one is my best option? Right. Because there is friction in the spring because you, you think of like the time frame for a football player to really improve includes a significant amount of time that you get in the spring. And he lost out on that. Right. Because he was playing baseball. Um, he's going to go from playing. I mean, who knows how long the season for this baseball season will go? You know, who knows where he'll be, um, you know, by the time camp starts and all that fun stuff. Um that's a grind, man. And I don't think people really appreciate just how much of a grind it really is. Like you see these kids, you know, a lot and it's, and it's, and it's easy, I think for folks to, to think like, Oh, they've got it all made and stuff. And I'm not saying that it's like digging ditches though. I guess technically probably could dig some ditches if you wanted to like get 
your body right or whatever. Anyway, that's like something Bronco would have done. That sounds like interviews. some stuff in the pit. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, like, but it's, I mean, like, it takes a lot, you know, physically, mentally, heck, emotionally to, to do it and never have that like real extended break. Now, I know it's good for your body to do different stuff. If there's anything we've learned over the last few years, it's that like constant playing of one sport is probably not in your body's best interest, right? So the, the whole two, por- two sports side of the whole thing is interesting. Um, but no, I think what ends up happening is that he just gets to a point where it makes a lot more sense. The question I think also has to be like, what, when does it make sense for UVA to need a new backup quarterback? Um, because well, that takes us to the next question. There Dave, you go. Do you okay. have anything on, on yeah, Dave, Wolf what you got? Actually? Yeah. I was going to say my, my guess would be the only year he's going to do what he did this year was this year. Like yeah, that makes sense. That won't yeah. be a thing moving forward because you cannot be QB one going into next spring potentially be QB1 to go into next spring yeah. and play baseball. They can't have Jared um, Raymond take all the reps in spring practice. Yeah. So year. he's got to, you know, so he might still play baseball, but he won't play it for a full season. Like he'll probably have to miss the spring, you know, that part of the year. Cause that's what like Jameis and those guys did when they played, mm-hmm. you know, they joined after football. Um, and then at some point, probably after a year of being QB1 and it, he'll decide whether baseball is this thing or not, because you also like a lot of, being seen as a baseball player happens in the summer leagues, which they give up to play football. So he'll choose one or the other, um, you know, to focus on, he might still play both, but he won't play them like he did this year. It's fair to say his, his most likely pro prospect would be in baseball. Like, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, he's got like the arm to, to do yeah, it, I guess. but he's a righty. He's a lot of guys who throw fast. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some guy from Tennessee's throwing like 114 miles an hour. So. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Back to quarter, yeah. Back to quarterbacks. Um, one of the questions: uh, How do you feel about QB depth and recruiting? Uh, there's one four star on the board and no three stars. He's talking about the recruiting board, I believe. Um, did they have a real shot with Johnson, Avery Johnson, the quarterback from Kansas, um, who he's referring to? So, without further ado, Dave, here's you had some well, breaking news for us. Well, they did put out a new offer tonight, but um, okay. yeah, I guess they've got a chance with Avery Johnson if he's okay sitting behind Arch Man. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. But no. Yeah, why no. do we need three stars on the board? <laughs> right, right, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it seems to be easy. They did offer a uh, Brock Glenn, uh, quarterback out of Memphis, who I've been following for a while because some other people have been following him for a while. Great quarterback uh, name. Yeah, he, he's good. He's you know six two, got a big arm. Offers from basically all the SEC, all the ACC. Um, so they're going after some guys. Whether that's indicative, they feel like they're losing ground in the uh, Avery Johnson sweepstakes, who knows, but I mean, let's be honest, they probably need to add two quarterbacks in this class um, two, you know, two recruits and most likely look at a transfer, you know, in the off season, um, given, you know, not knowing what Jay's future might hold. And, you know, Brennan, who I think it is, we should, we should mention that there is a possibility Brennan Armstrong could come back. Um, that is not all, out of unlikely, but not. You mean for another year after this? Yeah, one. he's got another year of eligibility if he wants it um, past this season. So there are some interesting wrinkles, but um, yeah, I, I don't know where the traction is on those guys because recruiting's different. And yeah, there's another thing where NIL is going to change things. Like information is going to be <laughs> going to be a little bit harder to come by. People might be saving their information. People paying them for that information. Oh man, that's right. I never, I never put the put the bow on that whole thing about. The information side of things. Um, so real, just real fast. So like in recruiting, 
it, it's in somebody's best interest, you know, to find out how visits went and stuff like that. With these NIL deals, a lot of them, it's it's in the player's best interest to sort of keep that off the radar from anybody else, right? Because you don't want anybody to really know what, what your money looks like, right? And it's in the company's best interest to sort of keep that to themselves because, you know, they don't want everybody to come around expecting that, right? But the school actually kind of wants kids to know how much money the kids are making, Right? It's like salaries. You don't, you know, yeah, you, exactly. Yeah, discussing similar, salary right? amongst themselves because so, then they realize there's discrepancies. So you might be able to, to, you know, you might hear from a source or two about like, oh, there's this deal or oh, that's that's there's that deal, but like eventually, when it comes to like offers or visits, the rubber meets the road, right? Can this kid commit or not? Right? Is this kid really going to visit? Right? Those moments come. The NIL thing, it could just vanish in a and in, in a and nobody ever even knew it was there, right? Um, so I, I think that that's, that's tough, but no, I, I think that, um, man, um, there's a, oh, it's such a weird time, man. It's such a weird time. Oh, um, all right. Where was our, what was our last question? Remind me real quick. Where, where yeah, are we? quarterbacks, quarterback depth. So I quarterback feel like, 30. you know, if, if Brennan is gonna, you know, the whole idea of like, you know, could he come back and stuff? I mean, if I'm, if I'm a betting person, my bet is, is that the quarterback they want is somebody they see this year at games that they they offer so probably maybe maybe the 23 class but realistically like i think they're gonna want to maybe bring in a transfer or or use wolfolk to get them through one more year um or two right uh realistically though i think all coaches if we're being you know you're calling the spade a spade they want to go out and recruit their guy right especially at that spot that's not to say that there isn't plenty of talent on UE's rosters. That's not to say they don't like like Brennan Armstrong or some nonsense. But I think they're going to want to go out and get somebody who fits what they want to do. Um, and so I would not be surprised if they uh, they make somebody a priority this fall, somebody they see, somebody they like, and next thing you know, they're going to that that kid's games a lot. Clearly, with film and whatnot, like they they're in, probably in a pretty good place in terms of figuring out like a small list of who those guys are. But they want to watch them play. You know, and a lot of things, you know, it's like it's just like a lot of stuff, right? Like time didn't start when Tony Elliott took this job. He understood what players were out there. It's just his 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 uh, ability to land those players changed a little bit when he went from Clemson to Charlottesville. Um, so I mean, it's not like they didn't know who what dudes are out there. They do. Not like they haven't watched film. They have. But I'm I, my gut tells me they're going to find some guy this fall. They're going to see him live, and they're and that's what that's when it's really going to click. So that's that's my yeah. Opinion. It's just hard to do that with quarterbacks because they go so quickly, right? Like they, they feel like those guys commit early, and um, the thing that I would say the most about quarterback recruiting, quarterback depth, I think they are a little bit shallow <laughs> right now. I mean, if you just watch the spring game, you had Brendan, and then you had a walk on play a lot. So, um, and then you have Davis Lane. But I think once Wolfhall gets back in the in the fold in the fall, it'll be okay for this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for the 2023 quarterback, um, the thing that stands out to me is the lack of offers. So obviously, Arch Manning has one, um, whether that's publicly out there or not. You know, obviously, he has an offer from everyone. So um, him and then and then Avery Johnson um, from Kansas, and you know, I I, I don't want to say they don't have a shot. Um, it seems like they're trying, but you know, he, he's not exactly a local kid. You're going to have to get him to come out to Charlottesville. I think that to really feel like you have a good chance. Um, he just got an offer from Oregon. He's got a lot of interest. Uh, 
Kansas State is in state. So I know that they have some traction with him and um, it's a work in progress there. I think that, yeah, like tonight you saw a quarterback offer go out and I was actually going to write about this for Friday. I think you're going to start to see some more offers go out now that spring ball's over and they have I more agree. time to evaluate. Yeah, um, and the portal's closed. Right. The and then you're also closed is a big deal. Yeah. And you're also like, you know, you put a few offers out there and, and you kind of see how it goes. And then if those guys go elsewhere or if you don't have traction with them, you know, you move on to the next guys and the next guys, but also at the same time being mindful that you don't want to lose everybody. Um, Cause I've seen situations where UVA is trying to recruit quarterbacks and then, you know, their top eight guys go off the board and then it's like, all right, well, who's left, you know? Um, and you just take whoever's left. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that they need to get on that quickly and I think they will. So I think you will see some more offers go out and I'm interested in like the type of quarterback. It seems like they're not necessarily like pigeonholed like the last staff was for better or worse, mostly for better um, with a type. It seems like, you know, they'll, they'll just offer guys that they feel like can fit whether they're pro style or dual threat. So, although Avery Johnson looks like Trevor Lawrence, um, just yeah, the, yeah, that's that's their that's their prototype. Long hair, um, maybe yeah, that's maybe looks that's like Thor, sold. but is not a quarterback, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he can run. I think he's the number three dual threat quarterback in the country. Yeah, and this Brock Glenn guy they offered, he's listed as a pro style quarterback by rivals, but he's kind of that same mold. You know, he's not a uh, Peyton Manning in the, in the mm-hmm. pocket. He's not, not yeah. Brady. Yeah, he's and most of Clemson's guys. Most of Clemson's guys under Elliott could run, you know, it's just, and honestly, most of the elite quarterbacks can run because that's how the NFL is moving as well. So um, you got to be able to move a little bit. Um, do we have time? We have time for one more, right? Yeah, let's do one more. Yeah, let's do one more. Okay. We got a few other really good questions. Like our, our guy Griff asked about changes to Scott Stadium to improve the experience. So I think that's like its own podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, I agree. Yeah. So we might need to come back to that one. Um I really like this question though from Blue Who Fifty Three. Uh, would love to hear what you guys think of Tony Elliott's ceiling as well as his floor. And as football, or, sorry, I'm misreading this. I want to know what basically what is Tony Elliott's ceiling? Where is his floor? And how does it compare to Brent Prize, who obviously was hired in the same cycle? Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good question to end I think, on. I, all right, let me start with this one because I think in order to answer this question, you have to frame it as because success for a team like UVA, right? Realistically, it means that a guy is going to go and take another job. All right. Let's just be real frank about that. If the guy is super successful at UVA, he's going to get offered another job and it's just, and he's going to probably take it right. Like UVA football is not quite like UVA basketball where Tony is like turning people down here and there. Right. Well, the ACC football is not like ACC basketball at all. Exactly. The big part of the calculus. So the reality is, is that like what job would it take for Tony to leave. Now Clemson seems like the obvious one, right? Um, and given, you know, Dabo's age, how long he's been there, all that fun stuff, right? You could see a scenario where Tony goes into this job, thinks, okay, I go there, I coach there however many years, and then I take my shot, you know, once that job opens up, right? That would seem to me to be the, the no-brainer of it, right? Um, so I think that if, once you, once you kind of, game that out a little bit what it does is it gives you a snapshot of one sort of the bigger picture but then two priorities right is tony elliott coaching to be the next no i'm not saying that but what i am saying is that like if you're trying to figure out how long somebody's going to be there you know how the longevity and all this fun stuff like that is a conversation you probably want to have now that being said my ceiling for him is i think uva could absolutely be a perennial coastal 
uh, contender. I think that is the place you want the program to be, um, realistically, especially in this new uh, NIL world. Um, but I feel like, man, um, I feel like for for Tony, because of the staff he put together, you could really see it kind of working for a while, you know? Like, you could see it kind of taking a little bit of time to really gain, you know, really kind of set the roots down. And then you could just sort of see it, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know about you guys, but for me, like, he fits in a lot of different ways. Um, especially, you know, the, what, what he talks about, what he, you know, what he, what he is about, and the way he put the staff together. Um, so, I mean, I think ceiling for them, it, you know, it's, it's that perennial coastal division contender where I'm not saying they're the favorite every year, but they're in the conversation every year. They're continuing to recruit well. Um, they're developing guys. You know, not every year you're putting everything back together, any of that nonsense. Like, there is some stability. Um, I think that's what you want. And, frankly, I think if if he's going to be successful, that's got to be the blueprint. You know, I know he has a whole thing about the model program. Um, they're going to get a football operations center now, which we haven't really talked about, I don't think. We, we talked about the donation that night, but... Um, you know, they're going to be getting some upgrades that they desperately need. Um, I, I think he's a better recruiter than Bronco. I think his staff is better to recruit than Bronco's staff. There's a lot to like about the potential there. So that's my very long winded answer. I'll let somebody else take the floor now. Yeah. I mean, I want to add a whole lot to that other than to say, like, to me, his floor and his ceiling, and this is not a cop out because I think it's 100% true. Whatever his floor could be last place in the coastal his ceiling could be winning the coastal winning the ACC but I think which one he achieves a lot of it over the next five to ten years with Virginia football has to do with how engaged the fans and donors get with football that's the next five or ten years yeah that's smart I Um, wish I had said so can we pretend if there's an (laughs) if there's an advantage Brent Pry has over Tony Elliott it isn't in the coaching aspect it's where their fans are um because yeah. they're still they're still like not where they were ten years ago. Like to me, I think Virginia Tech is probably like eight to ten years behind where Virginia was post George Welsh. Um, you know, they still think they're relevant. They're kind of in the early Mike London years right now to me, um, where they're still filling the stands. But if Brent Pry doesn't succeed, they start dropping off quickly. But they're still at a higher fan engagement than yeah. Virginia fan is as a whole. So to me, that's ultimately because I think his ability. His, you know, the staff he's put together, if he has the resources and support, and if, you know, if recruits can come see the new operations center, see the improved infrastructure, see the stands full, he's going to do something. Yeah. If Real they quick, don't, Robert, we can be Duke. Before you go, I want to say one thing about Brent Pry. Um, I think one thing that folks need, you know, UVA fans, we got to be conscious of, right, is there's, there's a – there is certainly an excitement among UVA folks, you know, as former players and stuff about Tony. The the Hokies really love this dude. Like, I don't think there's any way around that. Like, they, and may, I don't know how much of it is like they've convinced themselves that they do, but practically it's the same thing, right? Now, granted, if they come out this fall and they look like Bobo, you know what? Not going to matter, right? But right now, I do think that like a lot of alums and a, there's some juice, right? to the support he's getting among former players and that kind of thing. And I think that's really important because it definitely does kind of speak to, um, 
you know, what your program can, can the vibe your program can give off, right? Um, you know, I think for a lot of Virginia, former Virginia players, Tony Elliott is a godsend. Um, it seems like he's doing all the kinds of things that you want him to do. Well, so is Brent Pry. And I think that he has, because he has that little bit of connection to them, and they have definitely played it up uh, as if he is like one of theirs to come, quote unquote, home, even though it's not home, right? And he has certainly leaned into it, as he well should, because, you know, it's it's smart on his part. But I think that a lot of those Hokies really do love him, a lot of those former players. And I think that that is something to keep an eye on um, as this thing goes forward. Again, if the results aren't there, it ain't going to matter. But I think that's definitely something worth noting. All right, Ferber, sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thought. Nah, nah, that's fine. That was a good point. Um, yeah, I'll start with the relationship to Pry. Um, it's very weird to me that Bronco and Fuente came in at the same time. And then this happened again with, you know, like what are the chances of that? <laughs> yeah, but, right. um, but if you compare it to those two guys, I think um, this is not a slander on Bronco's football coaching abilities or his program development, which I think was pretty good. Um, I think both programs got better fits for their, their long-term future. Um, and then <clears throat> guys that'll connect better with, alums and things like that sorry i have something in my throat um <clears throat> is it covid <laughs> no i already had that um it's definitely pollen um i'm just i get choked up when i talk about brent fry um <laughs> that's good that was good. no um i think both both situations are, are better off for the guys that are in them and um dave nailed it for me i think tony elliott's floor is probably mike london um you know like not really competitive in the coastal sometimes worse than that sometimes losing not conference games because that's any coaches floor at UVA. Um, I think the ceiling is better than Broncos. Um, and I think you brought up a good point, Brad, about like, if you really hit the ceiling, he probably leaves. Yeah. But like the I best thing he, that could happen for you almost, you know, it's like you want him to be like a, an a minus and then like stick around <laughs> maybe longer. He w- um, you want him to win some good games, some big games, but then also lose a couple just in case, you know, like yeah, it's keep, the keep, weird... keep everybody away. Right. <laughs> it's like Mike London that year that people thought he was going to go to Penn state. Um, and it's oh, like, yeah, they got blown right. out by Virginia tech and it's like, eh, I got him. Yeah. Tony Elliott is a little different though. I like before. Yeah, we, I don't know. I don't know that he'll jump to the like, next oh, job. Bounce. Yeah. But I, I think he might be wired a little different. And um, he reportedly turned down. Yeah. Reportedly turned down the Tennessee job. Um, TCU. Yeah, that's a good so point. I don't know that he would. So, like, usually my thought would be if you just hire a generic coach X, and then like let's say Auburn is open and they want to hire him, most coaches would take yeah, that's that true. job. Okay, so maybe but I don't know that he would. You know, so maybe it's not like I love the fact that we're we're having this conversation about a dude hasn't coached the game at UVA yet. This is so great. Yeah, um, I mean, statistically, he's more likely to get fired than that. Yeah, this right. Happen, but so. let's let's just play this out. Okay, so I think your your point about the the jobs he's turned down are well taken. So let's let let me let me amend my answer. What if Stanford comes calling? Yeah, sure. Or right. USC or something. Well, not he's even no Los no. I, yeah, but that's what I'm thinking. Like he's a he's a California guy. Um, Stanford, you know, if he goes to UVA and he has success, there's a lot to like. I mean, if you're him, right, you're like, oh, this is Stanford. Like, I could go back to the West Coast and be in Palo Alto uh, and recruit, you know what I mean? Recruit California, da 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 da. I mean, for for what for? I know it's hard for for us to think about like like how good does he need to be to leave, right? Which is a very odd sort of frame. But if if Virginia's at a point where the guy takes the job at like 
I don't know, USC or whatever, like Virginia's going to be fine. Right. Like when is that ever yeah, your happening? position, your position to hire a good coach? Exactly. Like that's the thing about, you know, people, people fret about Tony leaving uh, Bennett and, and I get that. Right. But if like, you know, you've won a national championship, you have a, a great facility, you got, you know, a lot to, to offer. Like you're going to be fine. You're going to hire I mean, a look great at, coach. Look at like UCF, for example. You yeah. know, they had Scott Frost, he goes to Nebraska. Then they're able to hire Josh Heupel, who then goes to Tennessee, and then you get Gus Malzahn, a guy yeah. that would never have sniffed that job until they became better, right? Yeah, that's um, right. But I, I would say, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not really caught up in, like, the him leaving part. As far as his potential at UVA, I think it's good. I think to compare him to other coaches, I would say think about, like uh, – like a Dave Aranda at Baylor or like a Matt Campbell at Iowa state um, guys that like um, they're in maybe unconventional places to win, but then all of a sudden they just do it, you know? And then it's like, okay, like Baylor being good isn't surprising because like right. they've hired some good coaches or like Iowa state winning at Oklahoma isn't surprising because everybody knows Matt Campbell's a good coach um, right. and a program builder and all those things. Um, I think that's probably the ceiling is something like that. Um, maybe like, you know, you think about that 2019 UVA team, maybe just like that, but more consistent. And then maybe a little better one year, you know, like right. maybe a 10 or 11 win team or something. Um, a lot of that comes down to quarterback development. And that's my last point comparing to pry the ceiling for Elliot is higher because Elliot's an offensive coach and the ceiling for offensive coaches are, is higher. It just is at a place like UVA people that can innovate and have good offensive schemes like that is correlated to success a lot of times. And not to say defensive coaches can't win like Pat Narduzzi is a good coach. He won defensive coach, but you don't want to have to be replacing your offensive coordinator all the time and changing your offensive scheme. Cause it's much more detrimental to you than defensive turnover. Um, and I think that that shows like a Lincoln Riley type coach is like, that's basically the ceiling for almost like any coach. Um, outside of Nick Saban, who is a defensive-minded coach, but really is more of a CEO program builder coach than he is like a schematic coach. I feel like a lot of what they do is just based on talent and culture. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that like, you know, LSU, the year they won the title, their offense carried them through that. And then after they didn't get, like they switched to offensive coaches and then they just weren't able to really recapture. So I think Tony Elliott's ceiling is a little higher because Brent Pry could do a lot of things, but if his offensive coordinator isn't good, then then that's a problem. Yeah. Well, uh, we will try to answer some more of these on the board. Um, I think maybe we'll do a little bit of of this going forward, where we'll, where we'll ask some questions um, from the yeah. from the board and answer a couple. You know, not and we got at least two that are like full episodes. Yeah, yeah. So like, we'll try to do more of this, and we we've, we've got some some good off season stuff planned too that we thought through. So um, yeah, definitely check us out on the board. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to more of these as we go forward. Um, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on one of the many um, app services, app, whatever, that offer podcasts. Uh, we should be there. And if we're not, let me know because we should be. Now, if you're somebody who found the pod has not given us a look at the website yet, yet you can check us out at capsconnor.com. As I mentioned before, a lot of stuff going on on the board. Plenty of conversation. Um we still had um, <laughs> Damon left me with a, a few stories in the in the hopper. Um, one on Ahmad Faustin, um, who looks like an absolute beast. Um, Ferber did a really 
integral, like not integral, intricate uh, breakdown of the minutes at the guard and on at the wing. Um, I had a little piece on with a video on Jameer Carter. Um, let's see, there was one about that Damon left me about the um, the coaches and they're being drawn to work for Tony Elliott, which kind of speaks to our um, conversation earlier. And then one of the things he also did was that uh, commit Q and A with um, Cole Serber. Um, and let's see. Lastly, uh, the we'll have some recruiting stuff up. Yeah, I was going to say there's there's some more stuff coming. Um, and they just got a transfer running back recruit commit. Yeah, all kinds of all kinds of fun stuff. So give us a look at CapsCorner.com. Um, let's see. First, I want to thank uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net for their support of the show and of the website. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. And I also want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to give uh, a special shout out to folks who have been here a long, long time. I've heard from some of you this week. Uh, we appreciate the support for sure. And also, I want to thank Dave and Ferber giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spencer, Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.